0: To, I used to have a gavel close to me. Russell Hartenberger bought me a gavel. when I did all the, the drumming at 50 podcasts. And, nice. Because <laughs> I always say, let's gavel to... But I don't know where the gavel is, so I'm, I'm not very official today. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's um, let's gavel this to order then. Evan Miller, I appreciate you j- joining me today. Um, of course. You and I are old friends, old hat, old acquaintances f- in various forms. And you were a first associate student, am I correct? Yes. You were one of the the poor saps who agreed to come and and run through the gauntlet that we lay down for you and i appreciate that deeply and then you came back. then you came back and joined as an intern um for how many years now have you three two
1: uh i did it twice Twice. we we almost went for three and then we decided it would be best to let uh some other folks like joe barry who we were blocking out Uh, Yes, Joe Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway,
0: Evan, I I really appreciate you joining me here, and I don't have an agenda for this podcast in terms of what we talk about. We can. I'm happy to speak about whatever you'd like to chat about. But um, maybe before we get into any meat and potatoes of anything, um, can you just like remind folks a little bit of who you are and like where you're from, what your background is, and what you do?
1: Uh. So. That's an interesting question because what I do now is not necessarily what I was doing uh, when I first met you in uh, me, 2015. I guess. Me too, bro. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I am a percussionist, uh-huh. so that is how I know you. Uh, I, I still would consider myself a percussionist, but these days I am primarily a public radio personality, which is why I have this fancy microphone yeah, in you this do. room. Um. I, I've been working at the radio station I'm at now, which is, uh, I have our little face mask here, 91.3 WISO, the Yellow Springs, Ohio NPR affiliate station that serves Southwest Ohio. Mm -hmm. So Dayton and a little bit of Cincinnati and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, you're from Ohio originally?
1: Yes, I am. I grew up, uh, the, the town over from here. I'm in Yellow Springs Mm -hmm. right now. I grew up in Enon, the town over, which is smaller than here and when i'm out and about i tell people i'm from dayton because nobody knows where eden is okay (laughs) let me just stop you for two seconds
0: and let me as a man as as a all of the the versions like straight white male man identifying from a small rural town you i want to empower you to say the name Enon when people ask where you're from because the number of times I've been asked where I'm from and I say Dover, Ohio and I say oh you know just south of Canton, Akron area and they're like oh but there's a little part of me that I'm I'm hiding because I'm ashamed for some reason. And I'm not ashamed. It's just like oh you'll never know. It's so small. Just, <laughs> just say Enon. I need to say Dover. Look- it's on them to look it up. They can Google it and be like wow <laughs> this radio personality came from <laughs> Enon, Ohio? So anyway, I just, that's a pet peeve. I'm not, you do with it as you see fit. But Yeah, that's...
1: I, I gladly tell people when, uh, when I would play gigs on the road, I, you know, they, I, I would, they would just say I'm from Dayton, whoever's booking the show or whatever. And they ask me, Oh, where are you at? And I'm like, Oh, I actually live like 20 ish minutes outside in Enon, which is it just is a, a little place
0: that is as important as Dayton <laughs> yes. or New York
1: or any other else. It's a place yes. where people live. And I, I want you to embrace that as much as you can. I do love Enon, the place I grew up. It's a very uh very small, quiet place where uh, at night you could hear the the crickets and a freight train every once in a while off in the distance. And it's it's right off of I-70, so you can hear what? the the roar of 70
0: Let me ask off in this. the distance.
1: We're already off on a tangent here,
0: Evan, because <laughs> you're only like 30 <laughs> seconds into saying where you're from. But like, what is it yeah. about Enon that like I'm curious about this sort of stuff because I I joke about being from a small town, but it's, it's why I am. It's it's the foundational premise upon why I am who I am. Like, yes, yes. New York and Yale and university of Akron and Trinidad, like all of those places have contributed to who I am. But like the foundation upon which all of that is being piled on upon is Dover, Ohio and the values and the things that I gleaned when I was there. And like, for you, being a kid from a small rural town who i'm sure watched movies like major league and kingpin and you, you know you saw you saw movies that sort of get, any anyway i'm saying this maybe, maybe i'm projecting my own personal insecurities here but like <laughs> it is always i'm curious what is it about enon ohio that somehow despite their better efforts propelled you into a life of music and then now npr <laughs> You know, like that's huh. a, that's a fucking wild thing to say, Evan. I'm just wondering. yeah. you know, we couldn't really talk about this at Sosi cause that wasn't the level of nuance that anybody was at at that point, but now
1: you are. And no. I want, I want to ask. Oh, what did make me go towards that? I mean, uh, I, I had a, you know, a traditional kind of small town upbringing. I had my friends down the street and, you know, I, we would go play outside and run around the street and ride our bikes around everywhere. And, what exactly about that led me to music? I'm not sure because I'm I am a, a rare musical person in my family. There are s- some folks on my dad's side that have uh, they love music a lot, mm-hmm. and you know could maybe could maybe you know pluck at a, a guitar string here or there, maybe. But uh, I I do not come from a family of any uh, notable musical gifts. So what exactly led me? To that, I really don't know. Okay. I just kind of well, let's stop attached there. myself to music as a kid. Let's stop there for a point. second because I I would say I agree with you. Everything everything you're saying
0: is rings true to me personally too. Like my parents were not musicians. You know, my dad played clarinet in high school. Never can never continue with it. My mom uh, loved music. I mean, both my mom and dad loved music, but they weren't musically <laughs> talented. But, like, who was it in your town? Like, who was your first teacher? Like, who was it that was, like, that gave young, little, tiny, 11-year-old Evan Chapman the like, oh, I can play – you mean I can play eh, – granted, you're 11 years old. You don't know what anything yeah, is. Yeah. But you're like, I'm going to be a music person. Like, what <laughs> – if – how and when did that enter your
1: your mindset? I, I didn't start playing an instrument until middle school band. So I, I can't remember if that was fifth or sixth grade now. Well, middle school so, – well, so middle school band when
0: I was – for me would have been fifth and sixth grade band. That's when I start, that's when you started your
1: music program. Middle yeah, school would I have think it might've been eighth fifth grade. grade for me. And, you know, the percussion gets a, gets a rough start at the beginning. You got your little pad and your, your little bell kit and that sort of thing. And uh, you are, it's, it's remarkable that so many people that start that way stick with it because you don't, you hardly get the real instrument at the start they give you almost like a, like a, like a facsimile of what it is. It's really well, kind of, kind of absurd. No, I agree. Well, I will bit. say just in, in full
0: disclosure, I had my fifth grade band uh, music teacher was Joan Wenzel. She is one of my heroes in life. And I always had a real, I had a snare drum. Uh, I had a pad, but I, you know, I had a snare drum. Like it was my first instrument was a real instrument, but Mm -hmm. I didn't play bells. I didn't do much of that stuff till I got to high school to high school where it was like, oh, I have to read pitches. That's a weird thing, you know. Um, (laughs) But I'm curious, actually, as you bring this up, like (laughs) I guess it speaks to a little bit of like the ethics of a music teacher. Like what are your what's your job as a music educator? Like, do you think that you would have been you'd be doing what you were doing if you had like the full drum set from Neil Peart's Rush from day one? You know, and like oh. <laughs> and you were you were given the same stuff that your you know a flute player was given, which was like a Jupiter flute that cost twelve hundred dollars and they're like beeper beep, beep, beep and they can't breathe into it. But they're having to learn from the beginning. Like, and as a percussionist, yeah. you're sort of given this thing that's like it approximates the sound, but it's yeah. quieter. and like but that mentality I'm finding as a 42 year old I'm really glad because I don't have an, I don't have a, like an emotional attachment to a thing, maybe with the exception of my, you know, they're not up right now, but my steel drums, those are the things that I feel like mine, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I'm curious for you, like what has that, is anything I'm saying resonating at all?
1: I guess in hindsight, thinking back to it, what, what, what that's doing for you that you, you can't really necessarily explain very well to a fifth grader is that it's, it's the tools that you need to learn the most base level fundamental things of how to play. Mm. So if you can do those and you can, you know, as a, Oh shit. How old are you as a fifth grader? Like uh, nine or 10 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. If you can figure that out as, as a fifth grader and, you know, play rhythms. Okay. And know how to, you know, learn how to read pitches, then, you're on your way. You might not necessarily think you are at 11 or 12, but you're on your way. You just don't quite know it
0: yet. Yeah, because everything that you do when you're 42 is like play rhythms well on a tin can. Yeah, a, you know, on a ship's <laughs> bell, on a you know pair of clogs that you're beating on your chest for Maurizio Coggle's dressur. Like, like <laughs> you know, those are sorts of things you can't really teach a fifth grader. But in a weird way. Yeah you kind of are by being like, here's this thing that is representative of the job you have, which is playing rhythm. And again, like I'm, I'm not advocating for one thing over another here, but I'm just sort of doing an autopsy on my own, like why it is, why it is, why, why I see things the way they are. Is it, how much of that had to do with my, you know, my personal upbringing and how much of that am I grafting on to sew And how much of that am I grafting on the Sosi and like all these other things (laughs) that are, you know, is it good? Is it bad? Like, what am I doing wrong? Um, But like what in particular, um, I'm just going to say something out loud and you don't take it as an insult, even though it's going to come out that way. (laughs) I never pictured you as somebody who'd be sitting behind a microphone talking, not because I didn't think your voice was beautiful or anything like that. But at Sosi, I think I sort of was like... There's a few things that when you're on the other side, my side of the coin with Sosie you have 30 kids that come in the room and you're like, fuck. All right. I got to get them all to the end of the two weeks. Basically yes. in the same boat. We're going to lose a few and I'll throw our life raft. We'll pull them back on. It's going to be great. I think if somebody after two weeks of that first Sosie was like, what do you think Evan, Evan Miller is going to be doing? I'd be like – I don't know, probably not NPR. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like what I'm, I, I, none of what I'm saying is accurate, probably, but I'm, I'm just curious, like, what, what was this always something in like, the back
1: of your mind? Like, what kind of got you into talking about things into people? Well, well, you're right to think that because I, I certainly didn't think this is where I'd be right now but here I am. Uh you know that that period of time for me was kind of the uh the beginning of a transformation of sorts things kind of turning around At 20 uh you know I just come off my uh out of my sophomore year of college was Terrible. It was maybe one of the worst years of my life. Definitely the most depressed I've ever been in my life. And I entered my junior year. All the while during this, uh, since halfway through my freshman year of college, I was doing the college radio station because it seemed like a fun thing to do, and I liked music, and I liked, uh, I liked playing music and sharing it with people. So that's definitely one kind mm-hmm. of core part of it but um my junior year of college and then going to SOCI was kind of the turnaround moment where things started to go in the direction that they should have been going and I found the community of people that I know that I had been looking for whether I knew it or not and two I found out uh where I can find joy in performing Mm. And somewhere along the way, uh, doing radio became able to scratch that same itch a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not quite playing notes or scraping tiles with forks or whatever weird stuff I end up doing, but it it's it's still a kind of performance which satisfies me. Mm-hmm. And... I should say I do have a, I have a family connection to radio and this station in particular, actually my, my aunt Kathy on my dad's side Mm -hmm. hosted a show on this station that I'm at now called rise when the rooster crows back in the day. Oh, geez. It's been, it's been a show on this station almost since it was formed in uh, 58. Mm -hmm. It used to be a daily show. Now it's just a, Sunday morning but it was 6 to 8 every day and in the 80s my my aunt Kathy hosted this show and so i i knew that when i was younger i didn't necessarily i didn't necessarily connect the dots for a while that it was here in town or i just mm. didn't quite the fact that she was a radio person for a period of time in her life didn't necessarily uh really kind of set in mm.
0: but she when i told about, her that i was doing college radio
1: what was that? Did she ever talk about it to you? Oh yeah. She yeah, she and my and her hus- my husband my uncle Bill would talk about uh, doing this show and um, they would have uh, folks that were uh, in jail call in and request mm-hmm. bluegrass songs and all kinds of wild stuff. Listen, everybody
0: listen, the, the beauty of radios is, is that all you need is a call you need a phone, you need a phone to call in. That's you know it. who else has a phone? Prisoners in jail. They got their yes, one phone do. call a week. And I, I would say your mom probably was like there was a point of like real pride and honor that someone spent their one phone call a week to call in and it rec- you know be like, I want Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash. You know, like Oh, oh yeah. That, that was a uh, that was a thing. Uh
1: you know, this is gonna be this is gonna be a thing full of tangents, but a very quick aside, uh some somebody on my dad's side of the family was in the hospital and my dad went to visit whoever it was. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And there was somebody in the bed over and somebody brought up my Aunt Kathy's name, Kathy Estep. And he like uh, makes a noise like, wait, Kathy Estep, is that? Rise when the rooster crows, Kathy Eastep. Oh, I love her. That's my favorite show. Blah blah blah. Awesome. Some random guy.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, that's going to be you. That's going to be you, yeah. Evan. There's going to be some. What's the name of your, What's the name of your show?
1: So I have two shows. I I had one that I started in. You've surpassed 2019. me. I only got one show. Uh yeah, I had I had one that I started in 2019, almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. Now this month is the two year anniversary of this show. It's called The Outside. Okay. And it's more or less an extension of what I was doing near the end of my time at Wright State University doing college radio, mm-hmm. which is I play all kinds of experimental music, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. So last night it was there was free jazz. There was um, uh, well a, a, a few different chamber music things. There was... Uh, a couple pieces from the the recap album, the young, uh, all uh, BIPOC women percussion quartet record, which is Mm -hmm. fantastic. And uh, all just as many kinds of just kind of strange and bizarre music that I love very much that I can terrorize our listening area with on Sunday nights in the middle of the night where no one will hear it. (laughs) And (laughs) it's it's 11 to 1 a.m. on purpose. Listen, every... Uh, it's this podcast I, I, I do I is the I 11 to, to one death.
0: it's I consider it every time I post a podcast I'm like this is airing from 11 to 1 a.m. <laughs> you know like I assume no one's hearing no one's listening but I feel like if if most all art was created or conversations were created in that spirit of like no one's listening so let's just be ourselves like for you, being yourself means playing, you know, recap or playing Michael Gordon or playing Caroline Shaw or whatever it is that you feel like is important to you. I don't know. Like, yeah, sure. You're going to get some people who don't, you know, wait up until 11 p.m. to hear what it is you're playing. But you're going to,
1: I think the world's just. A, <laughs> oh, yes, I did.
0: <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> well, me, oh, it was good. On that front then, let me ask you, like, what what have been some of the it's kind of a two-part question one is what are some of the things that as a student and when i say a student i mean in the context of how you and i know each other well maybe not Mm. you can include your undergrad studies with you know right state but like what were some things that you tracked as a student where you were like this is fucked up fuck this (laughs) i would do it so much better and then now as how old are you if you don't mind me asking I am twenty seven. I'll be so twenty eight this year. You know, you're you're enough removed from the institutional sort of world in that, like, oh, you can maybe look back and be like, all right, uh, I was wrong about these things, but actually, I think this thing I stand by. Like, so I kind of want you to inhabit two spaces. What was your mindset as a student, and like, what were the things that you saw as the like the orcs in the world that you had to kill? <laughs> And now as a 27 year old and sort of dabbling in the day to day grind of like how the world might interact with each other on radio, like the way people talk on radio is way different than the way they talk in person is way different than the way they talk on social media. So I'm curious for you, can you tell me now a little bit, what is this, what overlaps from 27 year old Evan versus 22 year old Evan? Oh,
1: that's a great question. Uh, I mean I think as the as the sole resident like weird guy in not just my studio at school but more or less in the the music school generally uh uh I think it was not always super fun at times to just be like the weird guy and I you know I tried to talk about certain things that I thought were interesting and people look at me like I have two heads or I want to play, you know, I, you know, oh, we should try playing X, Y, Z piece. It would be great. They're like, no, that sounds awful. Uh, so the, 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 the lack of kind of being receptive to trying things that you don't understand was definitely confusing to me. Do you As think, someone that had open
0: ears. Do you think that, uh, sorry, I know that you haven't gotten to the second part of your question yet, but do you think that a lot of that had to come or it was due in part to a little bit of the way that, and again, like I, I'm setting it, there's no value judgment here, but from what I know of Wright State and Jerry Noble and, and, and I'd take a bullet for Jerry, but there's a real heavy fo- orchestral focus where, um, you know, the, the orchestral repertoire, the way to get an audition, like there's a, there's a path, there's a, that ecosystem at Wright State was set up a little bit to be like, hey, you know, I know how to help you get through this path. So yes. let's, let me try to do that. And deviations from that mean like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah, sure. I think that's awesome. But like, that's the the path I feel like I can help you get down is this. At the University of Akron, I had the opposite path where it was like every weird idea I had was accepted. But then when an orchestra audition came up, I was like, anyone Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> and then I went and got embarrassed on an orchestra audition because, and again, no value judgment here. It's just, that wasn't the strengths of my particular setup. So like, for, I, I, am I, am I misdiagnosing
1: anything here? Like, do you think that might've been part of the equation? Oh, that was a hundred percent part of the equation. Uh, especially because the, you know, the, in, in, in certain circles, the, the, School of thought is that doing the kinds of things that I do or even to some extent the things that you do mm-hmm. uh, are just, you know, financially just completely outrageous to assume you could you could live. They're <laughs> not wrong, just for the record. No, they're not. They're not wrong. <laughs> Which, you know, if I could you know. make money, you know, uh, Boeing paint stir sticks, I wouldn't be doing a radio <laughs> show right now necessarily. But, you know, <laughs> but. That's true. Uh, but it, but it was the conflation of that thing with, mm-hmm. you can't make any money or, or make any money doing this. So therefore it's a waste of time. That was the thing that I was like, well, but, but it's not a waste of time. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's art. And isn't that what we're here for? Mm-hmm. I, there's, there's definitely still a, uh, I, I feel like the the longer I went through school and especially exiting it and the longer I'm separated from it, I'm still able to kind of suss out the, the motives yeah. for music making behind certain people. And I, I would, I generally prefer if I could stick with like, yeah, I'm playing music because I love playing music. Not, Oh, I'm playing music because I'm going to rake in money. And like, that's why. Yeah. That's one I'm of here. one of the things that I think, you know, having
0: grown up, in a world where new music was the sort of focus in, in steel band and the world musics were the focus where the, like the path was a little more fuzzy on the end. Like it wasn't like if you play Scheherazade with the Tom or Tr- Tom Free or mute, you know, you're going to be great. You know, you play the bass, you know, you know, uh, right of spring with these particular mallets. Like, I was just like, I don't know, that seems totally nuts to me. Like, I love this, this chaotic <laughs> but I think, you know, looking back, you know, in my... The thing that I, I feel like... I think this is leading me to my larger point about the second part of the question, which is, like, the people you're studying with, you know... And I say Jerry Noble because Jerry's the teacher at Wright State. Because yes, Jerry's a... I, as a 40-year-old man, have had beers with Jerry, had had dinner with Jerry. Like, he's a person just like you are. He's just a... Oh, yeah. He's just a 50-year-old version of you, you know? And, like, he went through the same things. And so... I'm trying real hard to, in my own personal life, look back on my teachers and be like, okay, Bob Van Sice, just a 50-year-old version of me, and if I lived the same life he lived, I might say the same things he said. you know. And so why, what is it about his life that I want to sort of, with my scalpel, carve out and keep for my own, then teaching moving forward, and I think that leads me to my second part of my question. Like now, as twenty seven year old Evan, who's got your feet in the real world, you're making money, and you you probably have a ten ninety nine or two in your life, and you've got a W two that you have to submit to somebody, and you've got an I nine that proves you're a citizen. Like you've got all this shit that like they don't talk to you about in school. No one ever oh, told no me about don't. in Yale about what a W two was, and that might have been the most important <laughs> information they could have fucking given me. But like. <laughs> <laughs> for you like what what is oh, the no stuff shit. now that you look back at 27 year old Evan and, and might have said hey bro just sit tight on this choke this down it's going to suck but swallow that pill it's going to be worth it
1: yeah and i i i understand more the the farther away i get from school why you know why jerry is the way jerry is or why jerry thinks the way jerry thinks because he He and people like him at the end of the day just wants you to not be like starving on the street. Yes. Thank you. Evan. Can you say that one more time? One more time for the people in the back. your, Your teachers don't want you to die.
0: Even <laughs> even the ones who you feel like hate you the most, by and large, I, to me, I'm willing to roll the dice that they actually are just looking at me and being like, "I'm so scared you won't pay your rent." Oh my god, that's why I'm on you about the Neapolitan six Court. I know it doesn't seem rational, but I want you to pay your rent. I want you to buy a new hat. I want you to buy a new pair of shoes and like be able to afford like paper towels and shit like that.
1: Yeah, I you know I J- Jerry, you know. He he did his best to understand what I was doing, but I think just from a general, just kind of aesthetic thing, didn't necessarily get it. But you know, people like, uh, like Tim Feeney, who visited a couple times, trusted what I was doing, and and mm. you know, he. There there are people like Tim in this world who are in. Way deep in the world that I'm in But are also respectable In other parts mm-hmm. of the world And Jerry notices that So when someone like Tim Who isn't Who does Crazy things but also You know Is not dying Is not mm-hmm. living on the street mm-hmm. uh, it <laughs> When people like that uh, Give some indicator That I'm not crazy By wanting to do crazy things. I think it, it lessens the blow a little bit, but
0: well, and also I, yeah. <laughs>
1: too, just to highlight something that
0: like the reason Tim was in the room was because of who it was because of Jerry. Right. So like, again, like I think this is I like for me personally, like I, I look back at some teachers and I'm like, why did you do this? And like, I'm forgetting <laughs> about the like 35 other people that they were like, <sighs> that I'm sure they texted on the side and were like, listen, when you come into this coaching, Josh is going to play this thing, and he doesn't listen to me. He's never listened to me in two years. Can you just please? And then that person's like, "Yeah, sure, Bob. I know. I owe you a beer. I'll, I'll do." It. Like that's the way it happens. Every time I bring in a somebody, a guest at NYU, I'm just like, I have said the same fifteen things to this group of people. If you see what I'm saying, please say it again, so they trust me. Like, <laughs> like those sorts of things happen. And so I, th- I would imagine with Jerry when he brings in Tim. And I can speak for Jonathan Haas at NYU. In my experience, he, Jonathan would have no problem looking you in the face and being like, I don't know anything about steel drums, but Josh does, and that's important to me. And I think as a teacher, sort of in hindsight, recognizing a little bit of like, one of the reasons you're doing what you're doing is because somebody like Jerry, who could play Scheherazade or Porgy and Bess, in his sleep, better than me if I practice it for nine months straight and nothing but that right now. I put down all of So's rep and practice pouring best for 9 months. I still would not be as good at it as Jerry Guy or Jerry Noble, excuse me. That's true. That's just true. And <laughs> I I'm I, you know, and I can be upset about that, and insecure about that, but on the other hand, like if I was over a beer with Jerry, he's going to look at me and be like Steel drums? Like what are you doing? Like how do you do that? How do you like yeah, how do you make that work? But there's no. But I think the older I get, the less I'm trying to ascribe a value to one or the other. Like there's, we are all in the same fucking storm in a very tiny boat, trying to trying to not drown together if we can.
1: Oh God! But what I what I think that people like Jerry can see in, and I I I recognize at the end of the day what he did see in me is that I was dedicated to doing the thing I was doing. Well, mm. because outside of s- uh, scraping tiles together or whatever, you know, when, when we had somebody coming by to hear some chamber music piece, like I'm there because mm. he knows that that's, I'm, I'm committed to making this thing sound good yeah, and he can count on me to do that. I will, I will gladly make my tiles sound good or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, dowel rods on cymbals or whatever but you know if you if you need me to play some the if somebody wanted to hear some xanakis like mm-hmm. he knew he could he could call on me at mm-hmm. the end of the day and i would do it yeah and it would sound good
0: so well and i would i would wager my life savings that if i texted jerry guy right now and was like on a scale of one to ten evan miller <laughs> he's gonna text me back and say 12 you know, like, and so then I guess that leads me to this next question, which is like at now as a, as a product of Wright State University, where'd, where'd you go to grad school? I did not go to
1: grad school. Actually. Awesome.
0: Okay. So as a product of Wright State University, and you went to grad school at SoSe. Let's say that. That was yes. your grad school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, for better or worse. <laughs> what would you go back and change? what would you go back and actually be like, you know, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't quite have the lot I have in life now, or is the lot in life you have now something you're actually like totally bewildered that you have. And like, I'm just kind of curious, like this is a hypothetical. You obviously can't go back and change anything, but like, would you if you had a scalpel, would you go back and open up the body of Evan Miller and right state and everything and cut out a
1: certain part? Oh, I would improve my, uh, Tr- try to improve my motivation to practice significantly. And that, that I think that is a, an issue that affects other parts of my life.
0: <laughs> keep talking. I'm with you so far. Keep uh, talking. And you're you picking know, up what I'm putting down. Uh, keep, keep going. While,
1: while at times I thought uh, Jerry's recommendations for how many hours a day you, you should be practicing were a bit extreme, mm-hmm. perhaps. Uh, I, boy howdy i would love to have more drive within me to go do something that is uh not necessarily exciting but will help me in the long run later that, that i think that would have that would improve a lot of parts of my life kind of all
0: at once well and and i i don't mean to be glib here but like it seems to me that the thing that you're saying is like the thing you wish you would have done and i'm being serious here like this is something i i feel about myself too but like it you wish you would have had a more intrinsic desire to work harder for no results like a lot of what we work for as humans and and understandably so like you work for the paycheck it's extrinsic right i'm going to go play this gig because i might get paid i'm going to get paid this money we have a contract or i'm going to get health insurance or i'm going to have a 401k as part of my thing and that's why yeah it's all part of the thing i'm doing this thing as a student you're investing in something right You've paid tuition or you've gotten scholarships or whatever the current individual situation is. But the thing that no one ever actually can do appropriately is tell you personally exactly how much work it's going to take you to get out of the program what you've been sold.
1: That's right. That's
0: true. (laughs) Like I've sold many students on the idea of coming to NYU, for example. The next 10 words are like, yeah, cool. You're in the door. Now it's going to take you 30 hours a week. It's going to take you two hours a week (laughs) because (laughs) like, that's the thing that starts like, oh my God, this person has so much innate talent. It actually, I would be like, it's going to take you two hours a week of practice, but 30 hours a week of just talking to people and not ruining it (laughs) because you can't fucking talk to people. You're an asshole, (laughs) you know? And then there's other students where I'm like, you need 30 hours a week of playing with Steve Gadd on, on a record, uh, you know, to 50 ways to leave your lover because you can't play your way out of a paper bag, but you are the most lovely person. I'd take a bullet for you because of the way you see the world. But I, you don't have good time. (laughs) and, and, And unfortunately that's, that's the hardest part about teaching. And I guess my question is, like, how do we as educators, what's the curriculum that includes that aspect? Because no one ever told me that. Larry Snyder, Bob Van Snijs, all people I'd take a bullet for. And are doing I'm the reason I they're the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. But no one ever, maybe Bob at the very tail end of my life as a student was like, you do realize you're never gonna play in an orchestra professionally. And I was like, how dare you, sir? <laughs> And then he was. Then he said it again, and I was like, "You're right, sir." You know, and and now as a 42 year old, I'm. He wasn't wrong. It was. It was hard to hear, but like, what? How do we, or can we, or should we fix any of that?
1: I don't know, because I I think what I was what was attempting to be taught to me at the end of the day, which I desperately could have used, was time management skills. Uh. Because, but when you put it that way, it sounds really like what does that mean? Like that sound, that's not drums. Like, what yeah, is that? It feels but, like here's a daily planner check. It's like, no, yeah, no, like, no, 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 Your no. life is in, in certain ways is, is going to be, you know, when you're in school, you have such a regimented, uh, way that you go about the world. And when you're out, who fucking knows? I don't know. It's, it, it's, uh, telling you to practice, six or eight hours a day i you know do i think you need to practice eight hours a day every day no that's ridiculous you got to work you got to make money at some point jesus christ but like you know yeah it's to get you in a habit of you know yeah. this is how you segment your time every day because someday you're just gonna have you know days where nothing is happening and you're like oh what do i what do i do well i guess i could just i could just sit here well yeah well, it's like you look at usain bolt for example <laughs>
0: Like, he has trained his whole life to run 100 meters, and we all look at him and we're like, "Oh, he's a genius." It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know how many hours he spends in the gym on the calf muscle exerciser? Because the foundation of his under 10 second run is the quickness with which he gets off the blocks. It has nothing to do with whether or not he loves running, yeah, or thinks that running is great for humanity, or that it's good for carbon offsets or the environment or any. You know, he loves the gender equality and run. it's like no, 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 no. That motherfucker, regardless of what he believes, has to get in the goddamn gym and go e or e or e or with his feet three thousand times a day, a day, or else <laughs> it's like, not gonna happen. Right, and it's not gonna work. So. As an artist, like yeah, 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 like for me, the exercise has not been Shahrazad. I haven't had to do that three hundred times a day. But what I've had to do is know what to do when a mistake happens in chamber yes. music, and I—that's a skill set. I'm a—I'm SEAL Team Six when it comes to chamber music, like travesties, right? That's that's <laughs> the that's the calf muscle I've been exercising. And I guess what I'm asking is like as a student, like what are the things, what are the things you all are, are told are the like career paths for you all? I'm, I'm, I'm asking a like sort of out of ignorance, but also just to be like play dumb for two seconds. When I was in school, <sighs> it was teaching at a college playing in an orchestra. That was it. There was I mean, no that- other path. Nexus didn't. Nexus was like this unicorn balloon that was floating out into the ether of like, well, that's fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> whatever. They're awesome, but no way. Like, what are you all being told? Cause now the world's, different now there's several percussion groups who are basically making it full-time with other aspects to their careers but like what are you all being told in school
1: i mean at least when i was there that was still kind of it or like mm. teaching band because mm. at, you know ohio in the midwest generally that's that's other than texas that's bandland land. Like, and was
0: it seen as a positive like you know, hey teach college uh play in an orchestra teach band?
1: Or was it play oh, to college, teach, teach in an orchestra or play in an orchestra or and then teach band. Oh no. Teaching band. Cause we had a lot of music educator people at mm-hmm. Wright State. So, you know, we were lo- loading up our, uh, our area schools with Wright State alumni band directors, uh, you know, not only made them feel good that like, Hey, we're placing people in jobs, thank mm-hmm. God. But also, you know, a great, a great tool for Look at how many of these Wright State graduates have jobs. You should you should come to Wright State because, you know, if you like your band director, percussion person, whoever that is, maybe you'll like going to Wright State. Yeah, or, it's
0: interesting. I mean, I, which which is <laughs> – I, I realize that might have sounded no, kind no, of – No, 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 no. No, no, I, no, 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 <laughs> I, I Everything you're saying resonates with me because I, when I was in school, I don't know why this I – mean, Somebody for that to sound snarky, like a no, no, no. I, I, when I was in school, I, I remember very specifically, I was a dual major. I was music ed and performance, but I, when people asked me, I didn't really lead with the music ed part because at the time this was early two thousands, the university of Akron, there was an odd, like cultural split between the music ed department and the like performance department in the percussion department the Venn diagram overlapped almost 100% whereas like Larry Snyder didn't give a fuck what your major was it's like you cannot play a recital <laughs> i don't care who you are like like fine get your music ed degree but you got to like we're, we're a team here so we're we're going to move as yeah. a team right and i really appreciated that because it never forced me to be like oh i'm a music ed major or oh, i'm a performance major i could just be a percussion major and play in steel band and play in Afro Cuban jazz and someone go to Trinidad for a month, you know, on a work study thing through the school. Like all of these things felt open to me, but there was this, like if you're an atrium dweller and an atrium dweller was somebody who sat in the atrium and talked about bassoon fingerings, but never practiced. And, and I, I half understood why that argument was made because like, yeah, they're sitting in the lobby, not practicing, but also like, I wonder now as a 42 year old person, how much of that culture actually created that environment? Like, why didn't we see music ed majors like your job? We're, we're training people to teach other people how to perform. Shouldn't we be teaching them more than the other people who are just practicing? I mean, they're going to be fine. People are performing. They're going to fall on their butt, but you're teaching fifth grade kids. Like, shouldn't they have the same sort of, like, and so as a, I'm wondering, like, if I started a music school from scratch, I would get rid of the music ed and music performance degree it totally and make some degree that's like, you're getting one. It's called music <laughs> or it's called art or it's called education, whatever it is. Like call it my little pony for all I care. Yeah. But like, we're not going to distinguish between like, sorry, Evan Miller, you want to be a drum set major. You're going to come, you're going to learn bassoon, learn bassoon fingerings because it might, it might, it might the one time in your entire life when you're on a gig with a bassoon player and they can't quite hit that E-flat, it's because there's 17 different fingerings to E-flat. And you might in that moment when you've had three beers be like, sounds great. <laughs> you know, and that may save that. You might have that relationship for the rest of your life because you knew in the back of your heart there were 13 different fingerings for that and they didn't know which one. And like, as an ed major, I've been in that situation once. In Boy am I glad for having had to have taken bassoon methods because I knew how much of a struggle was happening over beside me was
1: I spent my first two years as an education major, and by the end of this my sophomore year uh i it was i just i couldn't do it mm-hmm. i i my my friends that are are dedicated music educators I love these people to death because they do an extremely important job mm-hmm. that uh none of us would be here. That's if, also true <laughs> if they wouldn't if they're not willing to do that job, so i i think music educators are great, but I realized after a couple of years that uh, I just do not have the patience for well, this and, and if i if I can hardly motivate myself sometimes, how do I motivate a Fifth
0: grader. And to be clear, Evan, I, I want to be clear here. I also think it's crucially important that students who go through school don't see as like their, the result, if after the result of four, four years of schooling is you're like, oh man, I don't want to teach fifth grade band. Good, good. You know what yeah. fifth grade band needs? A shitload of people who want to teach fifth grade band. That's why I got out of there. Get the fuck out! I was like, you know what? Go somewhere I else. Recommend it to other job people. That I don't like. <laughs> yeah, like the way colli- the way in thirty years from now, twenty years from now, for colleges in <clears> terms <throat> of diversity, race, all of the things that we're all worried about to look the way they do is for music educators at the fifth grade level to be psyched about te- and So, like, that's what I want. I mean, that's healthy. So, for you to recognize that, Evan, is awesome. Like. Like that you're where you're suited better to advocate for music and the health of a music culture in the world at NPR rather than a classroom. And maybe that means for you, Evan, that you don't get health insurance through NPR. (laughs) Like you might have through the fifth grade classroom. And as much of a struggle as that will be for you, I want to just put out there in the world, the idea that that might actually be the best thing for everyone involved. You know, like how many teachers have you had where you're like, if you could just be like a snowblower for a full time, you'd be happy as a clam. <laughs> why are you teaching? Why are you teaching science? You know, like, like, anyway, I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah, off on see, a tangent. You very unhappy doing this. Why are you here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, anyway, I'm off on a tangent here, but like, I, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's something I've been thinking a lot about recently.
1: Well, I just, you know, I. I, I realized at the end of the day that like, this does not, like I love music, but this doesn't make me happy. And I don't, I don't want to continue moving in this place where then I decide, wow, I, you know what? I think I hate music now mm-hmm. because I felt, uh, because I, I felt some invisible reason to trap myself down this one road. So I, I picked a different one, which was to be a, performance major and now that's where I got on the road of uh confounding my professor on a regular basis because I wanted to play chamber music all the time and I wanted to after a certain point I wanted to uh make feedback noises and set players and all kinds of weird stuff and he's like I, I don't know what you're doing but well and that's that's a little bit of why <laughs> I was setting up a lot of the conversation we were having earlier is like at what
0: and again like this is not a I don't know the answer here, but like at what point does school become a, a a situation where like you've realized what it is you want because the teacher you've had, but now the teacher you have can't give you what you want. But the reason you know what you don't want is because of the teacher you have. <laughs> like, like that's, yep. that is the little Mm-mm. bit of the, like the snake eating its own tail sort of thing of like, Actually, I think Jerry Noble in the environment you were in might have made you more of who you are than had you gone into that situation being like, I'm going to be Rich Wiener, (laughs) you know, like, and I'm going to recreate all that stuff. And so then, like, like, I guess as, as you, I'm just asking as you, I I guess I'm, I'm wondering how we get older, how we start to like show credit where credit is due. Do you change, like, I don't know, would you go back and change any of the way Jerry taught you? Like, because if Jerry taught you any differently, you wouldn't be doing the thing you're doing. But then on the other hand, you're like, oh, I don't know if he could just do that. I don't know. But if they change, oh, my God, if I didn't, if if he hadn't said, I don't know. I've tried to take one comment out of things (laughs) Bob said to me, out of Larry said to me out of the so guys have said to me, I've tried to remove one comment and see what the like back to the future ramifications are <laughs> like what, di- <laughs> what disappears from the Polaroid I have. It almost all disappears all the time. And, and that's a heartbreaking for me, but also like, I got, I kind of want to ask people like yourself, like, am I alone here? <laughs>
1: No, I wouldn't have changed any of it because I, I, I especially now realize the the experiences where I realized what I don't like or and what I don't want to do, or just as important as the the oh, the eye opening experiences where I was like, oh, this is my thing. This I'm I'm here now. This is my world. But uh, the the ones where I was like, ooh, no, this is not. This is bad. I I can't be here. This is this isn't good. Are just as important because they 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 closed doors that i had no business entering.
0: That's an interesting thing to say out loud. I mean, i think uh, we we hear the sort of uh, adage all the time or the the platitude of like when one door closes another, op- another one opens, but i've never heard anybody say like, i don't know, maybe <laughs> i should not go into that door. Like just cuz a door's open doesn't mean you go into it. Like uh, that's
1: the anyway, you
0: Evan-
1: yeah, I mean, i've uh i i respect my friends that love uh, the orchestra world and you know it's that's a crazy scene and i i wish them the best because uh you know it's a hard it's the addition life is a hard one but uh i would have no business getting into that absolutely no business well it's the same
0: for me like i they i have I mean, we were playing, so did a gig with the Cincinnati Symphony a couple, uh, like three weeks ago. And we played mm-hmm. uh, Jean-Baptiste Lully with the orchestra, which and we played David Lang's concerto, but the Lully, the Lully piece was like the one moment where the four of us had moment of insecurity of like, we've done this once with them at, at Mostly Mozart in New York with the same conductor. So it's not like it was new for us, but it was like, why? Why are we here? Like what? <laughs> Like all these guys who studied their whole life to go psh, psh, with like a beautiful pair of French K Zildjian symbols that they know would have – Lou would have used or whatever. I'm like I don't give a f- – I don't know what the fuck. All I know is the motherfucker stabbed himself in the foot. Basically was a bad <gasps> – conductor. died. He was a bad – he was the worst conductor we've ever had. He killed himself like by conducting. <laughs> so by default, he's the worst conductor of all time. Like, But those guys didn't have that baggage. No. I was up there playing. I had a bird call, and I'm like, beep, 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 like, you know, on stage with an orchestra making a fool out of myself and stamping this big jingling Johnny up in the air and cutting my hand and bleeding all over the place. And they were like, this is awesome. It's like, okay, well then I brought this baggage to the table. That was me. Like, I brought this. But I still have this insecurity because there's all these other people. But they don't have that. They see us as a thing. So why am I seeing them as a thing? Like, and, and is that, is that a symptom of an older way of thinking, I guess the part where I want to take my scalpel and be like, is like, I wonder Evan, if the generational sort of attitude towards orchestra playing versus chamber music playing is sort of like the Andromeda galaxy and the Milky Way galaxy where they were here when I was in school, they've now collided and they're here. And there's a lot more overlapping than I'm aware of so i just need to stop being so fucking scared every time i'm in an orchestra hall with an orchestra playing crash cymbals because (laughs) those guys aren't seeing that shit and i'm bringing it to the table for no reason well i mean
1: if if you look at uh a, a a you know a more realist perspective on how what what the success rate or how easy it is to like get what you want in either world it's basically the same now like you know finding an orchestra job like good fucking luck one opens up and there's like 400 people that all want the same job and it's probably even that, less so in the chamber
0: music world right oh yeah you know how many jobs open up not- in the chamber music world like when a job for line upon line opens up or third coast or so per- when's the last time a job for third coast opened up uh when's the last time a job for soap percussion opened up 15 years ago yeah, <laughs> so like, if anybody's in school being like, "I'm gonna study to be in soap percussion," please don't, please don't. I'm studying to be in soap percussion
1: still. <laughs> like, <laughs> but the the difference is you can you can make soap percussion. You cannot make the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra.
0: No, but it's but but the thing I think that I'm trying to clock as I get older, and again, I'm not right here. But the thing I'm recognizing is there's a little bit of the curtain that gets pulled back when I'm at the Cincinnati Symphony or I'm at – or I talk – or we meet with folks from Kronos or we we go to the Lincoln Center or Carnegie Hall. It's people. There's just people. Like there's somebody at the top of Carnegie Hall who's deciding what's happening. His name's Clive Gildenson or whoever it is at the time. He's a person. A nice person. And if you get him cornered, you realize he's a person. And he likes to talk about things that you and I like to talk about, Evan, you know? And so like seeing some of these institutions or these things that we see as institutions, whether it be Wright State University as an institution, you know what, do you know who runs Wright State University? Not the president, the secretary in the music building. That person has more power than almost (laughs) anybody else at that university. If you want funding for your project, go to the secretary, go to the person, go to the administration, the person who's, moving the papers around all day, they will be like, Oh yeah, there's this budget I've seen. It's had 5k in it every year for the last 15 years. No one's ever touched it. And I've just moved this piece of paper here over over here for 15 years. (laughs) That's who you go to, you know why? Because it turns out the person at Carnegie at Yale is just a person sitting at a desk. And like the more we can try to sort of see all of these things as, and whether it be the Cincinnati symphony the New York Phil or so percussion, there's someone sitting behind a desk going, being like, okay, it's 9am on a Tuesday. What are we doing today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, And I wish, I wish there was like a class we could teach and be like, Hey everybody, here's what the rear, here's what the, 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 the dashboard of so percussion looks like today. And you would just open it up and be like, Oh my God, there's bugs splattered all over that thing. How do you see where you're going?
1: We don't, we don't, we're just making it up. <laughs>
0: But, well, Evan, I've stolen 57 minutes and 30 seconds of your life here. And I want to sort of ask you, now that you are, um, I don't want to say, like, you're well on your way to your life as a radio artist. But, like, where you are today, knowing what you know of past Evan and taking being a little more armed to guess what future Evan might do and might look back on this current Evan as being completely fucked up. And having seen the world in the wrong way, what do you think now? Moving forward, you're like, this is so important to me. I'm going to keep it, and there's no one who can shoot it out of my hands. There's no you have to pry it out of my cold, dead hands. What's the thing for you moving forward that you really
1: want to hold on to? Oh boy, that's a great question. Um, all the time learning to be okay making mistakes and falling on my face. Mm. I I I consider consider that a very valuable life skill which I have honed in multiple ways um in music making for sure especially playing improvised music which I love and that's you know if that that's a tightrope walk if there ever was one and Bro. if you're not prepared to fuck up then can I be honest with you? Don't do that. Can I be honest
0: with you? <laughs> yeah, I hate improvising. I fucking hate it. <laughs> I
1: under I I understand why. <laughs> I
0: I hate soloing in the context of steel band like a trio in a backyard for somebody's luau. Mm-hmm. I hate playing over the course like uh I hate blowing choruses over Margaritaville or or Marianne or any of those like old so I hate being in a situation where someone's like free jazz and i like you're just going improv- to i'm just, no, no 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 the world is already chaotic i don't need anyway i i i, I <laughs> applaud your 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 efforts there because it's a big weakness of mine
1: i i i over the course of time and it started at soci actually where where i was first hmm. uh given a, a, a taste of what free improvising probably is, with like, jason right
0: i mean he's very good at that stuff
1: it was like a late night hang on oh, the first okay. week uh who would have ran that nate may and caitlin Colley, i believe were the masterminds behind that and um uh being willing to just throw myself into the void and like well uh something's gonna happen i don't know what but i you know i'm i'm willing to let myself go to whatever it is. And if it's great, awesome. If it's not like, oops. Well, I, I, I learned, I learned something. I played my first, uh, I played my first solo gig in a little bit over a year and a half. Uh, this past Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, Brianna Mansky asked me to play.
0: Oh, I, I just did a
1: podcast, with Brianna. She's awesome. Yes. Yes, you did. shes is really, great.
0: I really enjoyed that. Con- she was the first conversation I did in person since COVID. And you, you picked a good one. I'm really grateful. Like it's total stranger. Like I did not know her prior and I'm, I'm really grateful for, her. I hope she knows how much that, that conversation meant to me.
1: I, I talked to her about it, and she said she had a really good time okay. doing it. She's right. very happy. If uh, if, but, you, if she told you she hated me, would you tell me? Yes. Okay. Saying, all right. yeah, but she does
0: I'm very insecure, she, Evan. I'm very insecure. She,
1: so it was uh, it was a miniature version of her response project. Yeah, and, yeah, that sounded uh, amazing. Yeah, we uh, she gave uh, a group of us a, a poem to respond to. There was a there was a visual artist, a chef a singer-songwriter, and then me. And I took the gig because poetry often doesn't do very much for me, mm-hmm. like at all. It, it takes a while for that one to kind of set in. Mm-hmm. And I it was like, you know what? I need something that's out of my comfort zone. I need something that's going to challenge me. And if I if can't, if I don't get it, if I can't figure it out, then like, you know, I'm going to try my best and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I got to the gig and I had something that I thought I was going to do and uh, my weird little analog gear, all my little tape players and things, which are uh, very fussy at times, did the things that they do sometimes and do things I don't expect. And, uh, I, I found myself in some other zone and I was like, well, well, shit, here we go. I have no choice, but to just, this this ship's moving and it's not stopping for nothing. So here we, we're going to keep going until my time's up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, I, you know, I, there's a part of me that was like, "Well, I bombed. That was bad." But I, I real, I realized after a certain point of stuff like that happening, where if people enjoyed it, if people thought what I did was intriguing and they had fun, then I, you know, then it doesn't really matter what I thought about it at the end of the day because people enjoyed a thing that I did, and that's okay. Well, but also, so but also,
0: I'm, I think that like I listen to way too many. Uh, this this hat is from a podcast called Two Bears One Cave like I listen to comedian podcast nonstop and oh, I do too. when they talk about their process, yes, almost to a person, whether it be Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, Eliza Schlesinger, Whitney Cummings, It doesn't matter who it is. They're all like bombing is where I'd learn the most. <laughs> like it's the, oh, it's yeah. the worst feeling, but it is the moment where, you know, if your joke works or not, you know, if the boat symbol you're doing is actually going to have the effect that you want it to have. And, Anyway, I just like when you say that moment of like I bombed. It's like mm, that's what you did was you you did it. You got an A plus that night. That's what you got. Like the sta- yeah, standing I, ovations don't teach you shit. Let me just tell you, people I, people clapping no. for you doesn't teach you anything. <laughs> it just teaches you that you're awesome, and that's not always the most healthy way to go about life.
1: I I I love listening to comedy people, especially that do improv stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. talk about their process mm-hmm. because I going out somewhere where you're in front of a fresh group of people that have no idea what the fuck you're about or who you are and you do something and you have no idea how it's going to land. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's me. I do that. And it's kind of terrifying, but also it's exhilarating mm-hmm. and it's, it's an educational opportunity every totally, time. Totally. Um, and I'm comfortable with going out and just like, well, here we go. I've just, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm committed to, Trying whatever it is. So. Well, so where
0: do you see knowing that, like saying out loud that like, you know, the idea that improvisation and being okay with something that might not work, you know, the uh, improvisation is an experiment inherently, meaning in an experiment yes. by definition is something you start out doing. It's, it's, it's something that you, to which you cannot know the end result. So the end result may be pleasing or horrifying or sort of like meh in, in between. And you say it out loud that 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 path is something you're specifically Excited and grateful to have been placed on Through things like SOCI and various other Things in your life like yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Having said that what Where do you see yourself in five Years like forget about who might get Elected in, in three years or <laughs> What 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 other pandemic Might sweep through and change the whole World if money and logistics were not an issue For you What would you do tomorrow What job would you do Tomorrow and never look
1: back Oh man Uh, I mean, I mean, truth be told, I'm pretty happy in the job I'm in now. I've, I'm a full-time radio host. I get to just talk about music into microphones Mm -hmm. for three hours a day and then just kind of dig up music and other, other similar things for the rest of the day. I, I kind of, I fell into this job kind of weirdly i didn't think i'd be here until uh i was uh, i was part-timing here Mm -hmm. and my boss my former boss in february uh quit just kind of out of nowhere and my our operations guy peter uh referred to it to me as the battlefield promotion like well buddy you're the only one left so here you go It's, it's all you and I, you know, there, there are parts that I, I love about this job and there are parts that I don't, but I, I realize that, uh, I feel very fortunate to at 27 years old to be doing a job that not only I find, uh, fun and fulfilling, mm-hmm. but it makes people happy because they tell me this. And I don't take that for granted. Don't ever at take all. that for granted. Evan, this Evan,
0: like and everything you're saying, God bless you, Evan. Evan Miller, this has been (laughs) this has been an hour and seven minutes well spent on my end. I don't know about you, but on my end, I've really enjoyed this. I mean, everything you're saying really resonates with me. Like my hire and so percussion was a battlefield promotion. Like this is the thing that's hard to explain to students. You know, people who look at so and they see us as this thing. You know, this entity that exists separate from. I got a frantic email from Adam that was, was like, "Do you want to meet?" And I was like, "What are you?" T-? This was like 2004, and I was at Yale. I checked the email <laughs> once a week, you know. Like, and so I get this email on a Thursday. that Adam had sent on a Monday. That was like, "Hey, do you want? Can we meet?" And I was like, "Okay, whatever." And I was the only guy who knew Third Construction Part Four. Like it wasn't that I was the best musician. It was just like that was the one piece they didn't have to rehearse with. So, so in terms of like, there were bullets flying, and they're like, that guy's bleeding the least. <laughs> get him, get him, get, get, get him. He's not him. gushing out of an artery. Get him. Bring, drag his ass, his body over. We'll patch him up and put him on the on the on the field. And here I am now, fifteen years later. And yes, there's an institution. Yes, there's infrastructure and all of these things. And there's HR, and blah blah blah, and all the things. But bro we are a battlefield. We're all battle hardened. And, and like, and I, I think the same goes for you. The same goes for your boss. Yes. WQXR or whatever the radio station is that you're working for right now, like may seem to you because they've got a building. And then when you walk in, there's a lock and then there's a bathroom. that's always clean. You know why? It's because your boss told somebody and he's been telling, he's been trying to remember every day for his whole life. Like, fuck. Yeah. I got to remember to hire this. Like there's a person, (laughs) There and yeah. yeah, sometimes sometimes that person's a real piece of shit, and we got to <coughs> figure out how to get them out, and they make the systems worse. But now you're part of it, buddy. You are now part yeah. of the system, and there's somebody below you who's looking up and being like, "Well, I wonder what Evan's like." And so, anyway, point being, Evan, I I have been very grateful in hindsight. Not that I was ever worried in the moment, but in <laughs> hindsight, to have you as a student. <laughs> Um, at SOCI. And, and I'm, I I really want to tell you how grateful I am that you then reinvested in the organization on the intern front and have continued to reinvest on the level you level you do. It is really nearly impossible for the four of us to express to other folks why we feel what we're doing is important. And when folks, Sort of dive in head first with their eyes shut and just are like, Listen, if I hit the bottom of the pool and crack my skull open, you all will all be there, right? I'll be like, and we're like, yes. Those are, <laughs> those are folks you, Lindsay, Yumi, Shelby there's a bunch of people in that mix, and there's there's many others've I've obviously forgotten, but for me to you, I think don't underestimate how much as a student, your level of investment and generosity and genuineness can actually influence the way an organization then continues to carry on its business and do what it does on the on the level of soci or you know carnegie or whatever like there's a little tiny part of Evan chapman's dna in our institution that's swirling around and we can't take we can't i can't tease it out anymore it's part yeah, of yeah. it and The way you did that was by becoming the best kind of cancer in an organization which is like you get in there and you grow a tumor that just makes us all feel better you know like that's what i wish cancer was it's like oh i got this tumor man if i just rub it it feels great (laughs) like that's that's what i that's a horrible analogy evan but i i hope you know what i mean when i say it um that from the bottom of my I heart, I oh. think you've really helped so grow in, in ways that maybe it's hard for you to track. And then over beers 10 years from now, I'll tell you exactly how it helped and we can, we can get drunk over it. But, um, any last words here, where, where can folks find out about the you know stuff you're doing? Is there a website for the the radio show that you're doing?
1: Yes. Uh, W-I-S-O dot O R G. Uh, which W-I-S-O I say a million times a day, uh, is the radio station that I work for. Uh, we just got out of our fun drive week this past week, so it was crazy. Um, and I went to a wedding in the middle of it, which they were very nice and let me go. It was uh, well, I it was uh, Adam Holmes getting married. Okay. I know you know former
0: associate alum Adam Holmes.
1: Indeed, NYU. Yes.
0: All right, since it was for a marriage with a Socia alum, we'll let it pass. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you have an excuse. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. wiso.org is where you can find out about it. Uh, if W I or uh, d- Why? Okay, W Y, uh, W Y. Y, Okay, great. Why so is what we call it. Why so? Okay. Right. Cause, you, Cause you can call you, you, you can say our, our call letters, uh, support public independent news sources and music sources, please. Uh, especially the news. Good God. Like we, we are, we are one of a, we're we're the biggest independent news source in our area. And people respond to that in a positive way because they know that they can trust us Mm. to tell them the truth Mm. and, and not be fucking around. And, you know, we're telling them what we're telling them because it's, it's what happened. Not because we think it'll get clicks or, rile people up or whatever so find 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 the good people where you are with that are telling you what they're telling you or providing you what they're providing you because they care about it and they love it and not because some somebody in a suit told them to do it Mm. like please (laughs) listen this (laughs) is
0: this is a very genuine plea for public radio and i really appreciate it and i grew up on mr roger's which was you know PBS yes. I think it's PBS maybe I'm wrong here but you know yeah, that's where it. where he talked a lot about just like listen in chaos in trauma in danger look for the helpers there are always helpers and we're not well equipped during chaos that, actually that's part of our evolutionary that's why humans sadly have been a lot it's because in chaos we just look for the thing that's going to keep us alive the longest and maybe that's not always the safest maybe that's not always the healthiest thing we just run but in moments like right now, where people are worried about the news, they're worried about vaccinations, they're worried about race, they're worried about gender, they're worried about guns, they're worried about education, they're worried about immigration. All of these things, like there are helpers. Just keep your eyes peeled and look yes. for the helpers because and and if you if you can't see any helpers, be one. Yes, if be, you need you help, know. ask for it. If, and if you're if, asked for help, like... need, give it.
1: You know, like that's sort
0: of. That's
1: the crux. Find find your community resources that are are there for the good of everybody and don't let them go. Hold on to them tightly and help them <laughs> because they're very important. Well, Evan, I, I'm I feel like that's a very that's that is
0: a very appropriate place to sort of put a pin in this and and wrap it up. I've really enjoyed, I have robbed you of an hour and 15 minutes. And and listen, when I'm, when I'm in a coffin and you can lean down into my dead face and be like, you took an hour and 15 of my life and you're, you're well within your right. You have that right to do that. But I personally just know I'm very grateful and, uh, and your time is, is not lost on me and your, your words are wise. And I wish, I know this doesn't sound appropriate, but, but, but 2021 Evan could school 2017 Evan, whenever I, whatever the year was, I first met you, you are a wise, wise person. And I appreciate, I appreciate you. So just keep doing what you're doing and just
1: know we're here if you ever need anything moving forward. Okay. Thank you. i thanks for, thanks for giving me the time to talk to you. I, I love talking to people that I, I like, I I love talking to nice people who mean things to me. So I appreciate too. (laughs) And again, like I, uh,
0: you're going to hear something I say at some point on a podcast in the future or in the past that you, you are horrified by, or that you think, Oh my God, this person, I don't know. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Call me. You like, this is the thing that bugs me the most is like, you're going to say something on the radio I disagree with at some point. Maybe, but I know you and I can be like, Evan, am I going crazy? And you can be like, no, I had two shots of vodka before that session. And I'd be like, oh, me too. Before that thing that I said that pissed you off, you know, like, <laughs> so anyway, Evan, I am really, really proud of you. I'm really psyched to see you getting your, your silky voice on the radio. And I hope it, I hope it brings you a, an Emmy or whatever it is that radio hosts win in the future. Um, but until the next time, stay healthy and uh, happy. And I hope to cross paths with you again soon. Me too. Thank you, Josh. All Take care, Evan. See you, buddy. You too. See ya. Bye. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid Drum. Liquiddrum.com down in Waco, Texas. Uh, my good friend Todd Meehan runs an amazing percussion company down there. Great merch, great content. Check them out. Liquiddrum.com. Also, Kyle Dunleavy, dunleavypans.com, D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y-pans.com. Kyle Dunleavy makes and builds all the steel drums that I perform and teach on, uh, in so percussion, as well as at NYU and Princeton. Uh, He's an amazing, amazing tuner builder, um, just a really nice guy, very dependable. Check him out. If you are interested at all in steel pan advocacy, uh, Want to learn more about the goings-on uh, in Pan in Brooklyn? Check out PanInMotion.com. My good friend Kendall Williams, uh, Jerry Guy, Trisha Guy, and uh, Arisha John run an amazing organization called PanInMotion.com. Check them out. And finally, Aleandre Mirage runs an amazing uh, clothing apparel company in Brooklyn that is steel pan-centric. You can check him out at mango, chow, C-H-O-W, Clothing.com. I own a bunch of his shirts. They're amazing, very stylish, uh, beautiful, beautifully made. Check them out. MangoChowClothing.com Okay, hope you're well. Talk to you soon. Bye.